Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well and are blessed in all things. We are in the subject of the blood covenant. And uh, yesterday we talked about the blood covenant. And uh, uh, we actually, first we talked about the blood, uh, the first two days. Then we began to talk about the actual concept of the covenant. And we are continuing with that today. And and uh, the last thing I said yesterday was that in the Middle Eastern mindset, breaking bread is covenant. So, we, you know, I'm just giving you a background of uh, so that you understand what a covenant is. Now, I told you also uh, how a covenant was cut. And now I'm, I want to talk about covenant responsibilities and privileges. Because you see, when uh, two people enter into a covenant, what happens uh, the first thing that happens is that uh, uh, th there are responsibilities and there's, uh, in other words, there are obligations, but there's also privileges. And the obligation would be like if I'm in a, in a covenant with somebody, that means that uh, everything that uh, I have, he has access to. If he ever needs anything I have, it it is like his. All mine is his. But the, uh, But that's the covenant responsibility and obligation but the covenant privilege is that everything he has is mine i also if i am ever in a need and i you know i have a pressing need i can go to him and get whatever i want because all i have is his and all he has is mine and uh, if my enemies attack me he's under obligation to come and fight alongside me and defend me and if somebody attacks him it's the same thing i'm under obligation to go and um, and defend him and stand with him and covenants were also through generations that means that if something happens to me he my covenant brother would be obligated to take care of my family and if something happens to him i would be under obligation to take care of his family so you know there are responsibilities and obligations but there's also privileges that come with uh, by being in a covenant. That's how strong a covenant is. So the covenant responsibilities and covenant privileges, and I have written these things down. The first thing is that all mine is yours and all yours is mine. That means uh, I have, you know, that everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine. And um, and then I will fight to, to for you to defend you and you will do the same for me. And a covenant with its responsibilities and privileges is binding for generations. That's why a covenant, were not, a covenant was never taken lightly. Now, covenants with their derivatives, there's different kinds of covenants. They were found in primitive societies all around the world. Now, the ceremonies can vary in you know, ex exactly how the covenant was cut. That can vary. And sometimes they're grisly. They're terrible. But nevertheless, the principle of the covenant and the concept of the blood covenant, they are given by God because we see it in the Bible and how God deals with man through the blood covenant. I mean, I want you to understand, we are going to talk about this later, the covenant we have with God through Jesus Christ. But first we are studying uh, how covenants were cut between men, between people. And this helps me understand. Can you imagine to be in a covenant with God where everything I have belongs to him and everything he has is mine? I think that's 
That's amazing to live in that kind of relationship with the Father. But that's what the blood covenant is all about. But we, we'll study that later. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of, uh, uh, <coughs> I'm sorry, earthly examples of, uh, of blood covenants. One is, um, you know, if you've studied the, uh, the story of David Livingston, the famous missionary and explorer to Africa, he was the first white man to go to the heart of Africa, uh, you know, and, and he disappeared. He was a Scottish missionary and he disappeared for many years. They didn't know where he, were, where he was. They knew he was there, but this was in the mid 1800s. And at that time, they didn't have communications like they have today. So there was an, uh, a, a journalist and an explorer called Stanley. I think Stanley was American. Stanley was sent to find Livingston. So Stanley went into the heart of Africa looking for Livingston. And when he saw, you know, he saw the slave trade. And that's one thing that uh, Livingston really fought against was the slave trade. He preached the gospel. People got saved. He got them medical aid. And so when Stanley came in, uh, Stanley saw all that was going on. And then there were people threatening him. They wanted to kill him. So Stanley... Uh, somehow he met this uh, great chief, one of the most uh, respected, highly respected tribal chiefs in Africa. And he entered into a covenant with this tribal chief. And this tribal chief gave Stanley his spear. And so, and that spear had these uh, copper windings and symbols on it, symbols of his power. So, Wherever Stanley went in Africa carrying that spear, people bowed before him. Nobody touched him because they knew, they recognized this uh, spear and they knew the markings on the spear. They knew that that, this, that particular spear belonged to that king, that chief. And so they knew that anybody who carries this spear is in covenant with that chief. And if we harm this man, we are harming that chief because they're covenant brothers. So that is the power of a covenant. I mean, powerful story. Stanley had no trouble after that. Wherever he went in Africa, he carried that spear. And whenever people saw that spear, they bowed before him because they recognized that spear. Now, another example is, uh, I think you should read that book. There's a, 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 a powerful missions book by a man called Don Richardson. And he has written two books I would really, really recommend all of you to read. And one of them is Peace Child. Uh, this is from his experiences as a missionary in Irian Jaya, which is the western part of the island of Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is an independent nation, but the western part of that island is called Irian Jaya, which is uh, actually a part of Indonesia, but it's very, very primitive. Papua New Guinea is also primitive, but most of it is developed now. But when you cross the border to Irian Jaya, it's totally, totally uh, primitive. There's still people who practice cannibalism in the interior. In fact, I went there to preach. Uh, I went to Papua New Guinea, uh, sorry, to Irian Jaya to preach. And I remember I saw people walking around completely naked wearing absolutely nothing. I saw the first guy I saw was wearing uh, a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses and uh, uh, New York Yankees baseball cap. Other than that, he was completely naked. I saw some real funny things there. 
which I had never seen before. And they told me uh, that these people are cannibals. They eat, you know, human beings. So I was very afraid. I thought, uh, are they going to eat me? He said, no, no, no. They prefer to eat white people. You are brown, they won't eat you. So I said, praise God. God made me brown, so I'm here to preach. So, uh, you know, so that it was a funny thing that they preferred white meat. So I, I made a joke out of it, uh, you know, and, and, and teased some of my American and European friends. But but anyway, so he was um, he was there uh, among the Sawi people. And uh, no, but the other book he wrote is a book called Eternity in Their Hearts. It's a brilliant missions book, and I really recommend that you get hold of these two books and read this book. Anyway, uh, Don Richardson, when he and his wife went to Irian Jaya to reach the Sawi people, these people were headhunters. They were cannibals, and they were bloodshed between the tribes. They were killing each other. And uh, he began to translate, he learned their language and began to translate their uh, uh, the Bible to their language. And, uh, and you know, where he began to tell, when he learned the language, one of the first things he did, he gathered together the people, began to tell them uh, of the story of Jesus. And when he came to the part of Judas, who betrayed Jesus, the people began to laugh. And he couldn't understand. Then it dawned on him that the Sawi people, they love treachery. They thought treachery was the was a brilliant quality and that in their mind Judas was the hero of the story of Jesus because he was fattening up Jesus for the slaughter they thought and so Don Richardson was very um, very grieved he was shocked by this so he was praying about how how he could reach these people and then one day there was you know they had this bloodshed had reached a very high point and then one day he saw something he saw somebody from one of the opposing tribes come with a six-month-old baby. And uh, anyway, it's a long story, but I'm cutting it short. And he gave it to the chief of the tribe that were their en enemies. They wanted to kill him. And that uh, the enemy chief gave his baby to this guy. And so uh, this guy took his enemy's baby and took it away. And what they did, he found out what they did is that when you gave your child to an enemy and your enemy adopted your child as his own son or daughter and raised that baby and you did the same to your enemy's uh, child, that child was known as a peace child. And as long as that peace child was alive, there was peace between the two tribes and it was like a covenant was between them. So. He immediately, the Holy Spirit helped him and he connected with that. And uh, then he began to tell them how God was in enmity with us because of our sins. And he gave his son as a peace child to, to mankind. And so, it, well, anyway, I don't want to go into that, but it's a brilliant, beautiful story. You should read the book, Peace Child. But my whole point is that uh, the concept of covenants is found even in the most primitive tribes and so it is a God-given concept so anyway uh, so as I said the blood covenant is the strongest and most binding of all relationships uh, there's an Arabic word which actually conveys the uh, the Middle Eastern thought and the mindset about the covenant very well it's the word alaka alaka means friendship 
friendship. It's an Arabic word, but it conveys the, it conveys the Middle East and the Judeo-Arabic thought about the covenant. It says, it's alaka means friendship, attachment, love. It means to be feed off somebody. It means to almost be like a leech to, you know how a leech attaches itself to you and sucks your blood. And uh, it talks about our covenant with God, how we, um, we come into a place of friendship and love and attachment to God and we feed of him. We, 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 we suck off the life of God. We suck on his life and we become one with him through Jesus Christ. That's what a covenant is. When we become one with God, uh, when we become one with him, it's not just a friendship or a relationship, but we are like a leech attached to him and we never let go and we suck his blood and we suck his very life and we, we become one with his life. And we, um, you know, and, so it's it's that kind of love, that kind of relationship when we are one with him, attached to him, inseparable with him. That's the thought of the covenant. And the other thought is uh, is this uh, self-renouncing and giving of the self in our relationship. So it's two things. One is this relationship with God when we attach ourselves to him and we suck off the life of God so that we become filled and infused with his life and his nature. And that's our goal, to be with him. As Paul said, that I may know him. And that word know means to intimately know him, to be one with him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Then it says becoming, well, becoming like him. So, you know, that, that, that getting together with the Lord, being one spirit and being joined to him to drink of the life of Jesus himself so we can be one with him. Then the other, uh, other thought is this uh, in a covenant is the self-renouncing giving of ourselves, uh, you know, when we enter into a relationship with God, when we, we, we give ourselves to him. We drink of his life, but we also give ourselves to him. We renounce ourselves and we embrace him and give ourselves to him totally. In Romans 4, 3, it says, For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So when it says he believed God, it's not like, okay, there's God, I believe you. And that counted to was counted to him as righteousness. No, it means what it means here is believe. When Abraham believed God, it says that uh, he gave himself totally to God. That's what it means. When it says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, it means that he gave himself totally to God in a sense, renouncing oneself and embracing him. So that's what it is that Abraham, he renounced self and he embraced God and he gave himself totally to the Lord. And that is what it means by Abraham believed God. And that sentiment of Abraham, that he gave himself totally to God, renouncing self and just embracing the Lord, that was counted to him as righteousness. And the other scripture I want to show you is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. It says, what 
Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits, which are God. So he said, what? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. That means we are no longer our own. And you are bought. Why are we no longer our own? It says because you are bought with a price. We have been bought with a price. And because we have been bought with a price, we are no longer our own. Then it says, therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God. So what it means that my spirit, soul and body totally belong to him. And I belong to him totally because he has bought me with a price. Uh, that means that uh, God has bought me with a price and the price is the precious blood of Jesus. I have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. I am bought with a price and because I am bought with a price, it comes to that self-renouncing uh, love. That means that I am no longer my own, but I totally belong to him because I have been bought with a price. So it goes both ways. One is the alaka, the Arabic word, which means the friendship that I attach myself to God and I drink of his life to be like him. And the other thing is I renounce myself and I give myself totally to him so that he has my spirit, soul, my body, and because I am bought with a price and I don't have any ownership of myself, but he owns me. I belong to him. Hallelujah. So now there are examples of uh, blood covenants in the Bible. So let's, let's look at some of these blood covenants in the Bible. The first one is Abraham and Abimelech. And in Genesis 21, 22 to 33, it says, And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech, and Fichol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest. So, yeah. so Abimelech was a king, and 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 Fichol was the was the was the was the captain of his army, was the leader of his army. So Abimelech came to Abraham along with his commander of his army and said. The Lord is with you in everything you do. Verse 23. Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me nor with my son nor with my son's son but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee thou shalt do unto me and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech Servants had violently taken away. <coughs> Abimelech said, I wot not who has done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard of I of it, but today. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham ate seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast said by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shall that take of my hand, that they may be witness unto me that I have digged this well. Therefore he called the place Beersheba, because they will swear, both of them, they 
Thus they made a covenant in Beersheba, then Abimelech locked up in Fitch on the chief captain of the host, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Now this is, this is good, because in verse 22, we see that Abimelech, uh, the king, he had been observing Abraham. And this is what he comes and says to Abraham. He says that, Abraham, I know that the Lord is with you in everything that you do. So Abimelech, he recognized that Abraham was blessed by God. He said, I know that the Lord is with you in everything you do and that God has blessed you. And so Abimelech was smart. He wanted to cut a covenant with Abraham because he knew that Abraham was blessed. And if he cut a covenant with Abraham, some of the blessing will run over his life too. So what happened was that uh, he made Abraham swear. He said, Abraham, listen, I know God is with you, but I want you to promise me that you'll be good with me. And then he said that you'll be good with my son and that you'll also be good with my grandson. And Abraham said, I promise, I swear, I'm going to be good with you and good with your son and good with your grandson. Because you see, nobody wants to be against a man who God has blessed. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, this man is blessed. I want to be on his side because I want God to bless me also. I want some other blessing to run over me also. So what happened? Then Abraham, he said, okay, I'll be good to you. But there's a situation about a well of water and I wanted some water there and your servants to, you know, push me away, they chased me away, and Abimelech said, listen, this is the first time hearing of it, and so he, he fixed the situation. He said, I'm sorry, I didn't know about it. It was my servants, I had no idea, but that was a little story on the side. Anyway, but then what happened was that then Abraham and Abimelech cut a covenant there. They cut a covenant. Abraham, he gave Abimelech gifts. He gave them seven sheep, and then they cut a covenant. And once they cut the covenant, then they made a memorial to the covenant. They dug a well, and that well is called Beersheba. And because the word beer means uh, a, a well, and Sheba means covenant. So it was called the covenant well. So they, they, they dug a well there, a covenant well. And so that well was the mark of the covenant. And although this was like, thousands of years ago, that covenant well, it is still there. Still there today, if you go to Israel, you will see Beersheba, there's a town there, and that well is still there. That well was dug as a mark of the covenant. So uh, here you see blood covenants as they are found in the Bible. And uh, so what, what I'll do is that uh, I think I will stop here because we, we can go a few minutes more, but I don't want to do it because we'll talk about another uh, example of the covenant, one of the great examples of a covenant uh, in the Old Testament, and that is the story of David and Jonathan. And if I start it now, then I'll have to finish it in five minutes. I won't be able to finish it. I'll be halfway, then I'll start the other half of the story tomorrow. So I don't want to do that. So what I want to do is I'll share that with the whole, the story in its entirety with you tomorrow. So, but, but let's do this. Let's conclude now, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. Thank you for your blessing upon them. Meet every need that they have, Father. May they, may we all walk in a covenant with you, in a relationship with you, and may we all be blessed in all that we do. We thank you for your blessings. In the name of Jesus, amen.